Look out, folks. This is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. So, do we have to say UCLA is good now? Is that what's happening? Like, they're in the Final Four as an 11 seed, and I still don't really think they're that good, but they're here. I don't, well, it could have been UNLV being this good, couldn't it be, if they got that guy as the coach? It could have been. Man, listen, listen. Tina Kunzer-Murphy had one of the worst coaching searches of all time. But in that coaching search, she apparently had a handshake deal with Mick Cronin, who's now in the Final Four. And she actually did hire Chris Beard, who took Texas Tech to the Final Four. Like, Tina Kunzer-Murphy made two hell of a hires in the same coaching search, but didn't get either one of them to ever coach a game for her team. Those were great hires. Um, one on the handshake, got on the plane and uh, said he had family um, obligations with his daughter, I believe, and uh, didn't come back. And then we know what happened 19 days later with Chris Beard. So, yeah, you're right. When you look back on it, her hires were really good. They didn't work out. I don't think it's any fault of her own. I mean, they both kind of backed out for different reasons. Um, I'm with you, though. I'm watching last night. They just... If you ha- if they make you play their way now, look, Michigan missed 100 layups, so that's on Michigan. Uh, you know, everyone's saying in the end about you know the calls or whatever and and the shots they got, and they missed 100 layups. I don't hear anything from Michigan fans, but if you have to play their way, they can kind of stay in games as we've seen. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to stay with the team they're about to play, but as an 11 look, and as an 11 seed who just got in and had to play in game to get all the way to the Final Four, I think the last team or maybe the only team I don't know VCU did it with Shaka. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I don't know if they're any good, uh, but they're in the Final Four as an 11 seed, so good for them, and I think he is a really good coach, obviously. Don't you hate that the 11 seed in the Final Four is the program that's won the most national championships? Like, they're not really an underdog that you can kind of feel good about. You can't feel good about UCLA at any no. point. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was funny. Tom Izzo went on a radio show today. I think it was a radio show and said, well, it's hard not to believe that, you know, if we rebound that missed free throw, we'd be in the Final Four. It's like, well, pump the brakes for a second. Like, you, you, you can't make that assumption, Tommy, that you would have been, as UCLA, done beating all these teams. Now, maybe you would have, but I, I found that funny this morning. Like, Izzo is still believing that if they get one offensive rebound or one defensive rebound, whatever it was, that they'd also be playing Gonzaga. I don't know if it would have worked out that way. If we get that one rebound, we clearly win the next yeah. four games. Yeah, we clearly UCLA win the win. next four games. Yeah, we, we beat Alabama, out, we beat yeah. all these teams, yeah. We knock out the one and the two seed in yeah. that region, no doubt sure. about it. Can't question yeah. it whatsoever. Now, the game itself, when you when you watched the final minutes there, how badly did you think Michigan blew the end of that game? Oh, Wagner's three that was an air ball was horrible. <laughs> I thought, not, not the last one. You know which one I'm talking about. That was yes. the air ball. yes. he's got length. I thought for sure he was going to drive it like he did the, um, the, the possession before fouled the guy out because he's long and he, I mean, he can drive it. There's no question. The fact that he shot that three was atrocious. I don't know what he was thinking. There was plenty of time. I thought he he was going to, you know, he's going to turn the corner and go downhill. And I don't know if he'd get a call because again, you're in the last seconds of games and you really got to get fouled at that point. But I thought that was a horrible, Now he wasn't good at all last night. Um, which was too bad for them because he's got to be good. You know, 
the last, you know, they get the re- the last one. It's it's funny. He, you know, he actually came closer to making the last, the very last shot than he did the air ball. So, yeah, I think they messed it up a lot. Um, and again, you go back throughout the whole game. If they convert half the, the free throws they missed, it's not a question. They win the game. So um, they should have nothing to say the next day. I mean, they 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 totally screwed that game up. Yeah. So you see, or excuse me, Michigan to end that game. Uh, they had on their last two possessions three three-pointers and one layup, and they missed all of them. Uh, in the final two minutes, they had seven total layup attempts and only made one of the seven layups. Like, you're you're looking at a game you lost by two points, and you got to the rim at the end. They got to the rim plenty of times in the final minutes of that game, but they could not make a layup. They could not make a shot in the paint. And, that, I mean... That's why they blew it. They got the shots that you would want to get for the majority of those yes. last two minutes. Yeah. And just nobody could make a shot at the rim for Michigan. And that's that's how you lose a college basketball. I mean, listen, if you get the layups, there's not much else you can do. But, hey, uh, make the yeah. layups, guys, and you win that game against UCLA. But here's – all right. I told you guys earlier in the week that I want to ban all timeouts in college basketball. Oh, I, I was thinking of you last night oh when Cronin, Cronin followed up with his own timeout, and I'm like, oh, Tyler must be screaming at his TV because oh. Cronin, Cronin followed up the Michigan timeout on the out-of-bounds play where it looked like they were in some kind of zone because they're looking for the lob. And I'm like, oh, here we go with the timeout again. Ed, 35 seconds left in that game. We had five timeouts the rest of the way, and one point scored. In the final 35 seconds, Michigan, oh, Mich- Jawan Howard, he called a timeout in between free throws for UCLA, and then as soon as Michigan got the yeah. rebound off the missed free throw, called another timeout. What was the point of the first timeout that you had to take one after a missed free throw? What possibly could have changed I, in that time span? I heard you screaming from your house, and, oh I, heard, and I saw... And I saw our friend Mark Ziegler texting me with a bunch of exclamation points like, why would you call a timeout after the missed free throw? He goes, that is the dumbest timeout. You think they're not set. Just go. Yes. Just go. You're getting, Like you said, you're getting to the rim all night anyway. So you're probably going to get in the paint at worst. Uh, at worst, you're not going to have to settle for three, especially since they're like they're, they're in retreat and they're kind of like, you know, trying to match up and everything. So you just go as fast as you can. So that was a horrible timeout after the mystery. And, and the funny thing is, here comes the 90% free thrower. And, of course, he misses the second. <laughs> I almost, I mean, I wanted him to make both because after the Alabama game, Cronin would have just told a person, tackle the guy at midcourt. <laughs> like, literally tackle him because we are not giving up any kind of other three. But it was more exciting this way that they actually had a chance. And yet the way they responded wasn't very exciting because they completely blew it. So coaches love control, and they think, hey, if I call this timeout, I'm going to be able to set up a play that gets us a great shot. It's going to be better. It's going to be a better shot than if I just let the players play on their own. But what we saw in that game, five timeouts taken in the final 35 seconds, not a single shot was made after any of those timeouts. There was one point scored in the final 35 seconds. It was a free throw when Michigan had to foul UCLA intentionally to keep the clock from running out. That was it. So all these timeouts, all these, you know, hey, we're going to sit down and draw up what we want to do on offense. Not a single one of them led to a made shot. So for, for, I hope there are coaches listening to me that think, oh, I got to call a timeout to draw up a good play. It doesn't matter. They're not going to make it anyways. Like no one made a shot after five minutes. You don't need to draw up a play for it. Just especially five times. 
All right. If you're going to call one, fine, but five timeouts and not a single one of these teams can draw up something that gets them an actual made shot. I was that 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 game is the perfect example of what's wrong with college basketball. Five timeouts in 35 seconds. And it's a close game, not necessarily a well-played game, but it's a close game. And it's it's horrible to watch the end of that because there's five timeouts in 35 seconds. Let me tell you something. Uh, UCLA is about to play a team that if they give up that many layups, they'll lose by 40 because that team makes layups. So <laughs> Gonzaga is not missing seven layups down any kind of stretch of any game. That's all they do, like you said earlier in the show, is shoot layups. So the Bruins better ratchet up the defense, interior defense, because if they keep giving up layups, that thing is going to be a boat race. Um, they're not going to get the Michigan treatment on missing the layup. So it's a great run for them. I think we both think it ends, but that's far more to me – and I hate saying this because, you know, they did, you know they won the game. I get that. They moved on. But there are certain games where I'm like, all right, the other team lost it. Like, I hate saying that because there are people like, ah, it's not fair to UCLA. They won the game. I get that. But I'm sorry. Michigan plays halfway better than they did, make half their free throws. You know, Wagner doesn't take that shot. There were so many instances throughout the last five, six minutes of that game. We we're like, how is Michigan going to screw this up? It, it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was absolutely a a loss by Michigan. You yeah. you don't get that many layup chances late in a no. game, and and miss them all without it being your fault. Like that, that that's your fault. That's your fault. You lost the that's game. Your fault. It's not like UCLA. UCLA played well against Michigan. There's there's no doubt about it. But the reason that Michigan didn't win a close game and instead they lost a close game is because Michigan blew it. It's not because sure. UCLA was no. it because even you take those last two possessions where. Michigan takes the three with like four seconds left and the and the Wagner one. UCLA went under the screen on Wagner. That's why he shot, yes. I think, because the guy yeah, went under the he, screen. Wagner was but wide he's still open. too far out. Yeah. He's still he, too far out. Right. Yeah. UCLA left him wide open. Now he missed everything, but he was like yeah. UC, it's not like UCLA forced him into a terrible shot. He, no. They left him open. And then the one with like four seconds left, the guy was wide open taking that one too. Like it, yeah. it's not like UCLA clamped down in the final seconds. Hell. The one with half a second left, Wagner was open on that one too. I mean, so, I like, thought on the angle of that I thought it was banking in, <laughs> like it. He actually gave it a chance, somewhat, like you know, uh, you know, coming left and shooting back. I, I mean, it was probably a better chance than he or Michigan deserved with 0.5 left. Yeah, like absolutely. that was probably a better shot than they even deserved. Yeah. So in the in the final two possessions of this game. Michigan got three open threes and one put-back layup. Missed all four of those shots. Like, UCLA did not play good defense. They didn't even get defensive rebounds. They gave up offensive (laughs) rebounds on both possessions. Like, UCLA didn't do, like, anything right in the final 30 seconds of that game. And still went, hell, their 90% free throw shooter missed one of his two free throws. That was, you know... Going down the court, he's 90%. And you just knew. You just knew they were setting the kid up. And like I said, I wanted – he would have fouled. There's no question after the Alabama game, he would have said, look, you're going to tackle someone. We're not letting them run something like this. So, I, But I'm almost I'm, – I'm glad it worked out the way it did because of the buffoonery with Michigan. Like, you know, had they fouled, it would have been over the guy. Whatever. They would have won the game uh, fairly easily at that point with the time. But the fact they didn't foul and Michigan had all those shots and attempts – that just made the storyline better. As yeah. they, they just lost the game. Yeah, they did. And now I'm disappointed because we get uh, Gonzaga doesn't get to play another one seed. They get to play an 11 seed. And Gonzaga is breezing through this tournament, but they haven't really played many good teams. Like USC is the best team they've probably played so far. And, you know, they crushed them. So 
we won't get to see Gonzaga against an actual like top five, top 10 team until the final against hopefully Baylor. All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Also a great follow on Twitter at Sam and Ash Law. Follow them on Twitter. As a man told you, Sam and Ash Law.com, 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. How are you guys this morning? Doing great. Good. Yeah, I yeah, good. Still am adjusting to that intro. It's uh it's a big time <laughs> it's stuff. Heavy. Come on. It's heavy. I feel yeah, like it's big time dropping stuff. the beat. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean this is this is a serious segment. This is the best segment <laughs> of the week. We got, we got it's be... anything but that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, we're pretending it to be serious, but we need it to be serious. Uh um a lot of stuff to go over you guys. We sent you this last night. This is so, uh, but since last night, two more women have come forward in the Deshaun Watson case. Number is now at 21, uh, mostly masseuses and massage therapists who said he's done things he shouldn't be doing. Want to ask you about this though, because I didn't understand it, but listening to this guy on Facebook the whole time, maybe I do. The attorney, Tony Busby, who's kind of brought all these cases, uh, forward, um, apparently now is said he's not going to turn evidence over to the Houston police. He's saying. There's someone inside the department, whether he's a disagreement that doesn't like, I'm assuming he's saying if I turn the evidence over, he doesn't think it would be handled correctly or for his clients. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, Tony Busby in terms of Facebook and being out front and center in this. Explain to us if this is such a public case with now 21 women, and I know it's a civil case, I think, would the police have any jurisdiction to say we need to see the evidence or why do you think he's doing this where he says, I'm not going to turn the evidence over to them? Uh, yes. Well, he's an officer of the court, so generally under an obligation to uh, turn over relevant evidence. Um, of course, the police have have you know powers of, of seizure. I mean, they can they can come in and get the, get it. They can get a warrant for the evidence and uh, and and get it. Um, so so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it'll tell us, you know, how good and material this evidence is because it, it could also just be showboating so yeah here's, that, my, so here's my question yeah. on this like as a lawyer yourself um he posts on instagram about why they're not actually filing these complaints with the houston police department and his entire post here is when i ran for houston mayor i called i was i've since learned i'm not saying like every sentence starts with i if I was one of these women, like I would be looking for somebody else to represent me because every time he talks, it's about him. It's about his situation in this scenario. Yeah, Tyler, you're absolutely right. We hit on this when this story came out in the beginning. This lawyer is making this whole story about himself. And that's not what, what these types of cases or claims are about is the victims who's been hurt. And that's like one thing that Sam and I are really, we always advocate about this. What we do is not about us. It's about the clients and what they've been through. And here, this lawyer, all he wants to talk about is his experience, his issues, his animosity with the other side. And that's not what these women, these victims deserve. It's just, not, it's so I'm with you. I think I counted, it was like 12 references to himself in one statement. <laughs> like what about all the victims? I, this, so this is absurd. There's something serious is going on. Um, you know, there's a lot of claims being made. There's serious allegations. They should be treated seriously and not turned into some um, tit for tat and like some revenge system. Of where, 
And so that's where this this is being turned into something it should never be. Well, turns out lawyers have egos. <laughs> uh, so so we're we we found that out. Uh, Ashley's right. This this is this is an it's a disservice to the clients and to these to these to the victims. And if they've got legitimate cases, they need legitimate representation. And this guy, this guy's got kind of a Michael Avenatti approach to it. It's it's all yeah. about him. Yeah, and it, he almost I, sounds like yeah. he has a conflict, which would force him to be out of the action. If he's got an actual conflict of some sort that prevents him from fully advocating on behalf of these women and these um, victims, that's a problem. It should that should never happen. So, I, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, look at look at look at Vegas. Look at all the lawyers in this town that you know put pictures up of themselves with their Rolls Royces and private jets, and they think that's a good look. I mean, I'm not naming anyone in particular, but it's this. You've got to put the client first, and it has to be about the client and about the client's case. And this is this guy's not this, a failed political run. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, great stuff there. This is Tyler and I were saying I. I use Uber a lot on the road, um, and but, but neither of us should. maybe. Yeah, neither. Well, I should Uber, I should use Uber going to the store. How much will you take me across the street to Smith's? Forty six cents. I mean, um, for, so, for society, a lot a lot cheaper. Yes. I would do it for free. It's volunteer work. I, do people oh, boy, know? Do no people faith. know that that this is an ongoing thing where we make fun of your driving? Uh, I hope by now, yes. but uh, I, yes. you know, I, we. You know, I'm obviously you guys. Uh, I thought we were friends, but um, <laughs> so because of the pandemic, and I think Tyler's in the same. But we haven't taken one in a long time. And in the last few weeks on Twitter, I just started think, seeing things pop up that oh, there's not as many cars. The rates are out of control. Someone said on Lyft, there's no no chance at all you can get a Lyft. Um, we now hear these stories popping up of you know Joe Blow riding down in his in his car or to the airport wherever he's not an Uber driver getting out and just asking everyone, where are you going? I'll take you. How much? Give me cash. A couple questions come up in this that I thought was really interesting. If you get in a car that is not something you've called in terms of a ride share, um, you know, Uber, it's just, you know, Joe asking if he wants to take you somewhere. Can you sue those drivers who are not verified? Or do you assume uh, once you get in the car, is all of the responsibility on you because you chose to get in it? Um, I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't even think that's the issue. I think that if you get to where you're going and end up there safely, um, okay. and you're out of the car and nothing happens, then you've, you've, you've just won the lottery. I mean, that the, I think this is an extremely, like, that's the least of your concerns is, is getting your money back for an unlicensed ride, unless you, you know, you get taken for, for way more money than you should. So I think, you know, I, I I've, I, this is a problem right now. There are not enough Ubers. There's a reason for that. I think part of it is the stimulus money. It, it, it hit the streets and everybody got their money and stayed home. A lot of drivers are just sitting it out. Um, they're also, you know, they, a lot of people went and got different jobs and did different things or moved away or whatever uh, when, the, when the pandemic hit. So there, there's a supply and demand problem right now. Uh, funny enough, I, I've had a number of times at the airport where I've shown up and I can't get an Uber but there, there's 20 cabs waiting. I just walk up and I get a cab, and the cab rides, you know, are 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 reasonable. The cabs are dirty. I mean, it's I, I prefer Uber personally, but right. um, 
I mean, you can, there are, there are cabs. I've, I've not run into a problem with getting a cab at the airport. So I think people need to know, I mean, you, you can, you can also get a taxi. Yeah, the biggest, the, the biggest thing here is safety. You don't know who's picking you right. up. And so that's the big danger. But if you. It could if, be Ed Graney. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes, what, what, you yes. know. Uh, the I wife mean, has Ed, suggested we need more money. Yeah, you get, <laughs> make, make a. Ed, I want it. Everyone needs a side hustle, Ed. <laughs> yes, you're darn right. <laughs> okay, so um, not to, to not to make it sound like anybody here is endorsing just randomly getting in cars with people that are trying to take you for a ride. <laughs> but is it illegal? Like, if I just show up to a casino and say, "Hey, give me twenty bucks, I'll take you where you want to go," is that illegal? I think so. I mean, I would imagine it is, um, but I'm not. I'm sure because it's it's regulated. I mean, Uber for a long time wasn't able to just show up at the airport and pick people up. Um, and that was part. Of, so I don't, I'm not positive on it, but um, like Sam said, all of this is a it's a safety concern. Um, I don't recommend you get in these vehicles. Um, you have no idea who's on the other side. I mean, it's dangerous even getting in Ubers and Uber and Lyft have gone gone through these security checks and done everything like that. And but the real issue is actually that Nevada's declared is still in a state of emergency. So there's no surge pricing allowed. Um, so Uber and Lyft are stuck without dynamic pricing. And so there's no incentive for these drivers to get back on the road. Great point. You mess with the economy. You try to put price controls and never works. uh, That Uber driver runs a light. uh, Excuse me. That non Uber driver, the guy who's not licensed or grows not licensed, runs a light and gets in an accident and you're severely hurt. Can do you take legal action or would the uh, again, would the judgment be, "Ah, you know what? You got any assumed responsibility. No, oh, you, you'd you, sue them. Yeah. yeah, you'd sue them. You just okay. hope to okay. goodness they have insurance, right? I mean, okay. and, and there's no guarantee that they have insurance because they haven't gone, like Ashley said, they haven't gone through the, you know, the the process and are, you know, bonded and, and verified by Uber. Are you suggesting that people that might just show up to a casino to take $20 <laughs> in cash and drive oh, someone around might not have insurance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, uh, sad story here. Uh, driver ran a red light and he's carrying MLK. One was dead, one has hospitalized. A lot of stuff going on here because I think as one of the cars spun out, it uh, nearly hit a COVID tent and thankfully no one was injured there. Um, First question here we had is, are there separate charges pressed for the driver of the Mazda running the red light, traveling at unsafe speed, hitting at the car and causing death? Is that that totally separate charges? Well, what do you mean? Like criminal versus the civil case? Like, yeah, yeah. Those always are two separate, separate things. So the you know the the prosecutor will charge a driver with the crime, uh, and by the way, you got to realize that you know if if there's impairment, you cause injury, you, you cause an accident, um, you know, and 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 that accident results in any kind of injury, you, you're in you're in deep trouble. I mean that that potentially carries, and we've we've talked about this a number of times. That's a problem, um, right. but the the civil case it, it, just because a criminal case has been filed means I mean, you still can go and, and and if you're the victim of that accident you can still sue for damages and and even if the person by the way even if the person gets hauled off and carted off to jail and never sees the light of day you still they have insurance that covered them you know if there's insurance that covered them at the time of the accident that case can proceed forward even though they're incarcerated from an like just anecdotal me driving around, I feel like a lot of people run red lights here. Is is that accurate about Las Vegas? Do either of you know? Yeah, because the lights are so long. 
And I think that people come to lights and go like, I know I'm going to be here for eight minutes. And I think it, I think I see more red light running here. And I think it's because I do think because we have, we have some really long waits at some red lights. And, and so if you're a pedestrian, you're walking through an intersection, you're cross, I'm crossing a crosswalk. You, you've got the right of way. I just head on a swivel, be aware. If you're, if you're going in, if you're the first car at a green light, don't just step on it. Look, look left, you know, cause somebody might be coming or right in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> now Great point. I, I don't know if we've asked you this. We might have, and I'm, you know, there's no personal experience here. This is just for a friend of mine uh, <laughs> who, who recently might've tried to make a light. Uh, do those cameras work? In your, I will, I'll, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, full, full disclosure here, full disclosure here, uh, Sam and Ash, uh, there might've been a time back in San, uh, back, um, in San Diego somewhere that the kid here might've read through light. And then I didn't tell the wife until the paper came, the, the paper came in the mail. She opened up and she saw my face looking with my my mouth wide open as I went through that light. And she said, oh, my God, what the hell is this? Because they get you. Do those lights still work in Vegas or have they shut those down? Well, I, I haven't seen any of those. Like, oh, you're talking about a ticket light that's catching yes. people as they're running red lights. And yes, they're it, it blinks and you know you got caught. Yes. Yeah, and then they mail you a nice little ticket uh, yes. and weeks later. Uh, you know, I haven't seen any of those in – in Nevada, but there are still traffic, there are intersection cameras that so yes, if you get into yes. an accident, you can still, we're, we're able to request those um, cameras, oh. the footage from them to help prove what actually happened. And and you're right, some are working and some aren't, um, but it's actually, it's very useful in a lot of cases when some someone's saying this and that, and you have a dispute as to how it happened, uh, we're able to request the camera and the footage and, and prove it. So next time, Ed, you're running a red light in San <laughs> Francisco, what you do, just take one of your masks, the, you know, you know, paper masks, yes, and just yes. loop it on the four corners of your license plate. Uh, Sam, Sammy, I got Sammy, I got to tell you, when I ran it, something blinked in my eyes. I said, that was weird. Was that the sun? It turned out it was the camera. And when I got the when I got the order from the court and the picture, they by the way they send you like a three by ten, like you don't know it's you. Your huge face on this picture, and yeah, uh, you should have seen the wife's face. Oh, but it, uh, well, at least you weren't with your girlfriend, you know. Then it oh, there, really oh, that's gotten a good weird. Point. It's a good point. <laughs> Sam always looking on the positive side of things. Follow them on Twitter <laughs> at Sam and Ashlaw, Sam and Ashlaw .com, because you deserve what's right. 702-8-1234. We appreciate it. We know you're on the way to Clay Baker, so we will see you later. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. See you guys. Take care. Bye. I'm telling you, that, Tyler, you should have seen the picture. It was Do you, you. still have it? Do you still have no. it? No. No, oh. but my for some reason I thought I was in the sun. The eyes were wide open and my mouth was wide open. I was like I was like on that uh, the Matterhorn at Disneyland when they click <laughs> and you get your arms up in the air and your face goes crazy. For some reason, when I ran this red light, that was my face. I it wish was just you, I wish you kept it so we could frame it oh. and put it in the studio. Oh. I'm telling you, it was the look on my wife's face. I might have been in the other room. She goes, "What the hell is this?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" And I had to come in and look at it. I said, what is that? She goes, I know what it is. You ran a red light. <laughs> you said, no, it was just the sun. It wasn't red. Was just, oh, it was bright in what my a eyes. What All a right. disaster. Coming up next, <laughs> it's Bischoff's Briefs. But first, here's your chance to win a couple of tickets to Cowabunga Bay. We got two tickets to Cowabunga Bay, 702-364-1100. We will take caller number three at 702 
364-1100. You will win two tickets to Cowabunga Bay. Again, 702-364-1100. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad! I don't want your damn lemons! What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager. Bischoff's Briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons. All right, I can make a promise that I normally can't make. Bischoff's Briefs today is not going to involve any numbers. We are not doing numbers in Bischoff's Briefs um, there, I have wow. I have zero numbers. I have zero math. I have zero data to back up what my hot take is going to be in Bischoff's uh. briefs today because I don't think anybody's actually looked into it. But my hot take for today is that in the sport of basketball, diving on the floor for a loose ball is bad and you should never do it. We hear all the time from coaches about diving on the floor and, and hustle and desire and you have to want it and all this stuff, right? TJ Otzelberger, one of guys that would eat, sleep, and breathe basketball and dive on the floor, right? We hear it all the time. I think it's bad. I think you shouldn't be doing it. And again, there is nothing that backs this take up. I have no math, no numbers to back this up. Hopefully somebody will do that for me in the future. But just think about it. When you dive on the floor for a loose ball, I think the cons outweigh the pros. Because first off, if there's a loose ball and you dive and you're second, right? Somebody on the other team dove before you. If you're second to dive on the ball, if you land on top of the opponent, that's a foul on you. So all this hustle and energy that you're putting in, you might be on the bench because of it because you just picked up a foul and your coach is afraid you're now in foul trouble. So just from the standpoint, diving on the floor leads you to possibly getting in foul trouble because it's a foul when you just dive on top of somebody else. And that has become one of the uh, priorities for referees in college basketball the last couple of seasons is when two players dive on the floor, if one just dives on top of the other one, that's a foul. So first off, you could get called for a foul. Second off, If you dive and do not get the ball, if somebody on the other team gets the ball, you are so out of position. Like, you are incredibly out of position that you're not helping your team at all. Like, we, you watch college basketball, and you'll see how many times guys with, like, a wild closeout go flying past the guy with the ball who just hit him with a little pump fake, and now the defender's standing out of bounds while that guy's taking a wide-open three. That guy's out of position. If you dive on the floor for a ball and don't get it, you're in even worse position because you got to get up on your feet and then you can start moving to try to try to go play defense. So laying on the ground is not a good thing. So if you don't get the ball, it's a disaster to dive on the floor. Like nothing good happens if you dive on the floor and don't end up with the ball. But even if you do end up with the ball, I'm not even convinced it's all that great because if you dive on the floor and get the ball, what happens next? You're now laying on the ground. You can't just stand up, right? It's going to be a turnover. You're going to get called for traveling if you just stand up. So you're laying on the ground with the ball. You now have to find a teammate to pass to. 
And you're not in a position that you normally pass from. Nobody passes from their stomach or their hip or while laying on the ground. It's, you don't do that. That's not something teams or players do on a regular basis. And if you're diving for a ball, it means that you're going to be crowded by defenders more than likely. So now there's defenders all around you that you've got to try to pass through to a teammate. So even after you dive on the floor and get the ball, there's a high chance you turn it over. Because it, here's the thing. If you dive on the floor and you're not crowded by defenders, then you probably didn't have to dive on the floor. You probably had plenty of time to just pick the ball up without diving. Now, you can call a timeout uh, after you dive on the floor for a ball, but you only get four of those in a game. We know how much coaches love to use timeouts in the final 35 seconds of an Elite Eight game, and it's kind of dumb to waste one when you're laying on the ground with the ball. So, I again, no numbers to back this up. But I'm kind of convinced diving on the floor for a loose ball is bad and you should just stand up and either watch it go out of bounds, watch the other team dive for it, or just try to pick it up while you're still standing. Are you talking about this weird UCLA kid who dove on the floor last night and Michigan turned it over? I'm talking about every – no, I'm talking about everybody who's – I've kind of uh, had this opinion for a while. I, I, But the more you watch games, the more I think not, not many times good things happen when you dive. Well, coaches think they do. It's the it's almost a cliche in terms of diving on the floor. Uh, like you said, Osterberger was big on diving on the floor. I saw it a few times in here in two years. I mean, it has to be certain situations. If you're not just diving on the floor to dive it, then you're like a weird kid. But uh, Osterberger loved that. You hear so many times coaches say that stuff. It's like I said, it's a cliche. Dive on the floor, floor burns, all of that. You know, um, back in the Duke days, Wojcicki hitting the floor. I mean, it was just. Just this situation where, like, I don't know if that really makes you better. Like, when Steve Wojcicki used to do that all the time, that was a big thing with Duke. He'd bend over and hit the floor. Well, come on. That's not going to make you a better defender. You're not stopping anyway because you hit the floor when the ball's, like, 40 feet away from you. My favorite thing in basketball is when somebody slaps the floor to start a defensive possession, yeah. and then they get blown by and give up a dunk. Yeah, because they <laughs> because they haven't been able to get back in a good defensive position, so the guy goes right by him. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, this is opinion based. I, this is this is one of the few times you'll get a briefs with no with no numbers. Yes, I listen. I don't even know. I, you'd have to like watch all games and and keep track of what happens to actually come up with this because it's not a it's not like in the box score you know oh he dove on the floor at eighteen thirty one so like Ken, Ken Palm Ken Palm has not reached this level right there's no <laughs> there's no way to actually track this with box score numbers so you'd have to legitimately watch every game and track every time somebody dove on the floor what happened i'm just i'm just saying watching it and the amount of times people dive and granted it's only a few times a game i don't feel like good things often happen when you dive on the floor for a loose ball i feel like you're bet i mean hell you're probably better off just letting the other team get it so you don't commit a foul or like the the worst the, the actual worst thing you can do is dive on the floor get the ball and then while you're trying to pass to a teammate you have a oh, turnover yeah. and the other yeah. team gets like a two-on-one fast break the other way like, that's yeah. the worst-case scenario. You dove, you hustled, you were showing all your energy and how bad you wanted it, but now you're passing from your butt and you throw it to somebody else on the other team and they get a dunk out of it. And now you're looking around saying, what the hell did we do? Why did I dive for that? Why didn't I just let I it mean, go out of bounds? SC didn't even have to go on the floor to do that last night. They just stood up and well, passed to the other team. And it was like two-on-one. Yes. Every, every time you looked up, there was like three-on-one for Gonzaga for a layup. 
If you had told me that USC played last night on their knees while Gonzaga was playing normally, (laughs) I would have believed it. That's what it looked like for a lot of that game. And if the point guard was dribbling on his knees, Timmy, who's nine foot, would have still gone down and stripped him on the crossover and gone the other way. Uh, Real quick, real quick here. uh, What a a scary sight from the uh, referee going down early in that game. Oh, yeah. I was... I was... uh, That was scary. The the way that... The timing of that... That, that happened for TBS because Jesus. you don't you couldn't see the ref go down on camera. You just saw no. them stop the game, run over, right. and there's a referee laying on the ground, not yeah. moving. And they go to commercial. They don't show you any replays right away, but like while they're like they go to commercial and they come back and he's still laying there. And yeah. we, and yeah. as a TV viewer, you have no idea if this guy's breathing at the moment. Right. They go right. to another commercial break and then. When they come back from commercial, you see him being stretchered off and he's awake and, and yeah. you know, he's obviously yeah. like, you know, well, relatively okay, right? So it was fine. But, like, there was legitimately a two or three minute span where it was like, oh, uh, is that guy okay? Is alive. that guy alive? Well, like, because we, you, you didn't see him move and, and it just, it was, it looked like a nightmare. Yeah. At one point, they showed the long angle coming down the court, and you saw him collapse. And I'll tell you what, and we both know it, how hard those floors are. His head bounced off that floor, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, at at best at this point, like, this, just say he has a concussion or something because that looked really ominous and scary when he just went down. Like, he didn't, like, stumble down. He just went down. So, you know, and they, obviously they – I the shocking part of all, I'm sorry, is when uh, they gave the update and said he wasn't being taken to the hospital. I'm like, man, I mean, good for, you know, you want him to be completely fine, but even for like precautionary measures. Even Charles Barkley said, I think he should go to the hospital. Yes, exactly. I mean, like, he collapsed. Oh, man, that was scary. I'm glad he's okay, but man, that was yeah. scary. I mean, that was, uh, that was, yeah, Jeez. I mean, you, you just, you, you don't see that very often where. No anybody fall and like and that's yeah. the thing like we didn't see the replay they showed a replay later from sort of the full court angle that you could see Full court it. angle right right i kind of I, I kind of assumed he tripped at first like i didn't i i didn't assume he just he just collapsed, collapsed. like just yeah. on this yeah it was yeah it was, i mean for it about, was worrisome five minutes yeah it was yeah. it was really bad and they got that stretcher out there. That's what really worried me about him. That stretcher was out there in two seconds. Oh, yeah. Like, it was and, out fast. Yeah, the, the stretcher was out there in a hurry. The stretcher was out there for him faster than, like, I've ever seen it out for a player. Yes. Like, exactly. players go down, and they, they are, like, yeah. hell, trainers sometimes don't even go check on players that are right. laying on the ground. But they were, yeah, it was, it was out there in a hurry. All right, coming up next. We're going to find out how mad Ed would be if his softball players gave up a walk-off on a rundown. Oh, William Hill. Guess what? William Hill's giving you a free 50 bucks to bet when you sign up for a new mobile sports account. Use the promo code GET50. That is get five zero. And when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free 50 bucks in your account from William Hill. So you get free $50, and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It's bet 50, get 50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit williamhill.us. I have a new hero. Somebody, somebody has stolen the Chattanooga Lookouts mascot. 
Uh, that is a minor league baseball team. Their mascot's name is Louie. And while he's not the worst mascot I've ever seen, Louie, the lookout, is still pretty terrifying because he's a baseball hat. Like the whole, his nose is the brim of the hat is what's going on here with Louie, the Chattanooga lookouts. But somebody has stolen from the Chattanooga lookouts office, has stolen the mascot costume. And now the police in Chattanooga have posted on Facebook and Twitter that they are looking for the mascot costume uh, because they want it to be returned to the lookouts. But I am here to say the person that stole this is taking a horrifying mascot off the streets and off the dugout uh, to make sure that we are safe while trying to watch minor league baseball. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Louie. I just looked him up. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of this stuff, but kind of a weird head. And I say this with Cassie showing me the Dodger mascot last week that I didn't know existed. Um, I, I mean, what what are the odds the cops can find this person? What are you walking around with this thing? I mean, I mean, you 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 don't want to steal it and just keep it in your house. I guess you do. Maybe you bring your friend over. Yeah, I got Louie. But that kid's gonna tell someone he has. You have Louie. They'll find this guy and like this is gonna be uh, Newman on Seinfeld. What took you so long? I mean, there's just no chance <laughs> they don't find this person who who stole this hat, right? What you what do you, where would you wear this thing and not be seen? I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the I purpose mean, of stealing What's it is, that? other than to uh, make them change mascots and hope that they come up with a new mascot <laughs> or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of. Because yeah, you can't like, you can't I mean, use it. It's not like something no. you're going to use every day. And as soon like, I I don't know how popular the Chattanooga lookouts are in Chattanooga, but as soon as you put it on in public, somebody's going to be like, huh. I think I saw that that mascot costume got stolen. Yeah. We should probably call the cops. I mean, so I can't figure out the purpose behind it other than, you know, simply trying to make them change mascots. I mean, you can't wear it for Halloween and pretend it's like a fake one. Like, no, there's only one Louie head. Like, you must have been the guy who stole Louie. Even yeah. Yeah, you, you're looking at this. If somebody showed up at your door with that costume on, you wouldn't even know what it was. You'd be no, like, no, no, what? no, what are no, you? but if you live... If you live in that town, maybe you would. I'd have no, I'd have no idea what that is. I mean, we don't answer. We barely answer the door to people anyway. I mean, I got to make sure the kid's pretty young. You got teenagers showing up to these things on Halloween. Now, I never give them candy. So if it's like a little kid, I'll open the door. Uh, wait a minute. But, wait a minute. You're you are discriminating against? Oh, uh, absolutely. Oh, this is great. So what's, what's the Halloween's? The... Well, on the Halloween's, I've been home for recently. Sometimes on the road or working, I sit. My office looks right out to the front door. If it's anyone more than five foot, I'm saying nope, nope. We don't. And it's like no, and they're probably looking at me saying, "There's a guy in there." Like I don't like these teenagers. Go buy yourself some candy. That's a night for the young kids. It's a night for the little kids to dress up and go out. That's giving some kid over five foot some candy. So it's no. not necessarily the age; it's how tall they are that they yes, show yes. up to the door. Okay. <laughs> some kid, some kid is really screwed if he's in the third grade, but he's just tall for his age because I'm not giving him any. <laughs> like, if there's some third graders going five six, you know, and he's like tall for his age, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I think you're thirteen. No, I'm really five. No, I don't think so. That poor uh, kid can't get any candy on Halloween because everybody has adopted Ed Grainy's. Yes. If you're over five yes. foot, no candy. <laughs> yeah. You need to you need to put up outside your house like a roller coaster, a little like height measuring thing. <laughs> yes. But like when you, you go on the rides, are you this yes. tall? <laughs> it says if you're this tall, please leave. You're not getting any candy. And uh, the other thing is you don't leave the bowl outside like to pick because some big kid will come by and just dump it in his thing. Oh, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that happened when I was a child. I'm just saying. Oh Jesus! Oh. <laughs> you notice, Come thieves on. always think uh, 
everyone's a thief. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Anything else you want to admit today, Ed? No, I mean, I just, you know, it's just that, that that's not admitting. That's I think a lot of people hold that fact that sometimes you open the door and the kid's like six, two is like, come on, what are you doing? And, and they don't even go. Here's the other thing. They don't even go to the trouble of having a real costume. They put like on a baseball cap backwards. Who are you? Oh, I'm a baseball player. Oh, can I have all your candy? It's like, make an effort. If I'm going to give you candy and you're like 14, I need you to make an effort with the costume. So wait, what age did you stop taking your kids trick-or-treating? It's a great question. Uh, before they could go alone, you mean? Yeah, or whatever. Uh, yeah, whatever. Oh. Like, like, yeah, did you stop I mean, taking them? T- t- you know, 10 or 11, they were able to go alone around the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then yeah. you know, once they get to like 12 or 13, where you, you were punishing them for oh. going out to get candy, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 13, I'm like, look, just take what's in the bowl. Why, why, why are you going to go out and like steal <laughs> steal from like other little kids? Just, we've got two bowls full of candy. If you want candy, just take some. Steal from little kids. <laughs> Come on. Parenting tips from Ed Grady. Yes. <laughs> Tune in every weekday from 7 to 10 a.m. to learn how to not raise your kids. <laughs>